0: How does a faith-friendly workplace impact not only religious and spiritual identities, but also secular ones? And once you open the door to talking about belief at work, what's okay to talk about, and what isn't? Welcome to the Interfaith
1: Business Network Podcast with your hosts, Brienne White and Angie Lewell.
0: In today's episode, we feature guests from Intel to talk about the nuances that employees from diverse religious and secular backgrounds face in a global company. Well, May and Taz, thank you so much for being here with us today. We're super excited to have you with us. Can we start off by having you each tell us a little bit about you, your role at Intel, and your religious, spiritual, or secular identity?
2: My name is Mae Mozun. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm actually Associate Director in the legal department. I engage with Intel suppliers that deliver the goods and services that make up our products, such as semiconductor chips. I'm also the co-lead on contract manager career path. Basically, that's our team of top negotiators. And finally, I am a Baha'i, and um, I am the lead for the Baha'i Faith ERG group at Intel. That's Employee Resource Group.
3: And my name is Tasvir Virk. I work in the group called the uh, Client Computing Group. It's called CCG. Uh, My job is I'm responsible for the security aspects of the client platform, which is commonly known as either desktop platforms or laptop or tablets. That's what my uh, main role is. Uh, The other aspect of my job is crisis management, stuff people don't hear about, uh, and then special projects. Uh, And I'm uh, responsible Oh, I'm part of the Sikh employee resource group. My religion is Sikhism. It's from Northern India. Uh, the basic summary is uh, Sikhism believes in brotherhood of man and fatherhood of God. And we don't evangelize. That's why you probably never heard of us.
1: Thanks, Taz and We're so happy to have both of you here with us today. For many of our listeners, this might be the first time that they've heard about the Sikh or Baha'i faith traditions. Can each of you tell us a little bit about your faith tradition and how it affects how you show up?
3: At work, well, Sikhs uh, uh, interesting. Where uh, most people have seen folks with turbans uh, in United States, ninety-nine percent of the people that you see with turbans are most probably Sikh. However, there's other faiths, faiths and cultures that wear turban. Uh, interestingly enough, I don't have a turban because I grew up here and I had to cut my hair because some of the uh, interaction I had with when I was younger. Uh, however. Uh, Sikhism is very versatile. So the folks who who are who have hair uh, can be baptized. How about, the, however, the ones who don't cannot. But you can still study scripture. You open. You can go and visit the temple. You can do all the things that you need to do. Sikhism is about uh, the fifth largest religion in the world. Uh, it has population about 25 million. In the United States, there's about 500,000, and Sikhs have been in the United States for over 125 years. Most people are familiar that the Western railroads here in the United States were built by Chinese and other laborers. What they don't know, little trivia, is Sikhs were here at the same time. We have pictures where the Sikhs are right along with the Chinese building the railroads. Unfortunately, we had similar plights as them. And uh, Sikhs are very active. And the first uh, Sikh person who was... Uh, Part of the United States uh, political process was during the Kennedy administration. His name was Dalip Singh. He was a congressman from California. And uh, the oldest temple since Sikhs are very spiritual or religious. Wherever we go, we set up a temple. So our temple, the oldest one in the United States is in Stockton, California. It's been here since 1912. And our beliefs are very consistent with America. We believe in equality, uh, religious pluralism, and justice for all. And how that translates is the three pillars of Sikhism. One is you pray or constantly remember God. Second is you have burden neutral. You know how everybody talks about carbon neutral these days? Well, Sikhism have a slightly different concept, which means you don't want to be burdened on anything, just not the environment. You don't want to be burdened on the culture, the people, your parents, your institution, anything. You should look for your own. Now, once you are standing on your own, you need to follow the third principle, which is you share with the needy. And that means you share with others and you protect the weak. So the, uh, the Sikhs are a warrior class. So we have martial, uh, which means we are allowed to use weapons. However, they're only for defensive purposes and only to protect the weak. And some other fun facts about uh, Sikhism is most of the California peach, almond, raisin growers and truck drivers or truck owners are Sikhs. And the religion was formed in 1469. And our scripture is the only scripture that has security code on it, so you cannot corrupt it. Uh, one more last thing is Sikhism believes in uh, every prayer or every end of every prayer, we have one final word or one final line that is very interesting. It says, "sarbat which means wellness or kindness or blessing to all of creation
1: thanks so much taz um a follow-up question for you on that where did sikhism originate
3: in northern india
1: and you said you don't proselytize so are people able to join the sikh faith or is it mostly people from northern india that have spread throughout the world that are now sikhs
3: no sikhism is open to everybody So anybody can join. Uh, The interesting part is, uh, first of all, there's a website in the United States that's run by Caucasian Sikhs. They're in New Mexico. They started in LA. Uh, It's called SikhNet.com. And you can go there, check it out. They have all kinds of things. And it's in the prayers and other things in English. But the interesting thing about our scripture is it's the only scripture that provides equality for women. So one of the verses it says that How can you call someone bad that the kings and prophets were born from them?
1: And May, how about you? Tell us a little bit more about the Baha'i faith.
2: Sure. You know, as a child, I remember singing a song as I was, you know, hopping, skipping around. And it went something like this. God is one. Man is one. And all the religions are one. And... You know, as I grew up, I realized that that's really the core of the Baha'i faith. Now, I want to step through the three of them together. Uh, So God is one basically means whether he's called Allah, Yahweh, the great spirit, all the different words that are used to describe God um, are ultimately the same. And it's the entity that really none of us really understand. He's the unknowable essence. So I see the followers of different religions as my brothers and sisters who worship the same God that I worship. Humankind is one. Well, not long ago, the races were considered different species. Now we know there's only one race, the human race. And if we really believe that we realize what that oneness of humanity means, there isn't that us and them otherness uh, anymore. This isn't an emotional plea about, you know, just let's all get together and be one. I believe we need to recognize that oneness in each other so that we can solve the problems, our global problems that affect all of us. Um, Because once we're united, we can always course correct. Uh, But if we're just in fighting all the time, it's just, we're gonna lose energy and we won't be able to solve anything. Now, religion is one. This is kind of unique in the Baha'i faith. All religions are inspired by the same God who never abandoned his children. He sends different prophets, messengers at different times to help us progress and evolve as a race. So when I say I'm a Baha'i, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Buddhist, I'm Jewish. Uh, Like chapters in one book, these teachers came throughout different age every thousand years or so to help us evolve into an ever-advancing civilization. One of the questions that I think you just asked, how do we bring that to our daily work? And so as a lawyer, you might think that, you know, I'm pounding the table all the time and being an advocate and arguing. And in reality, that's really not the case. Most of what I do at work is creating teams and collaborations with those longtime suppliers I talked about earlier in this this conversation. conversation. That means having respect with one another, even when we disagree. Listening attentively to each other's needs to try to find the best solution that brings value to both parties and to be just. Baha'u'llah says, who is the the prophet founder of the Baha'i faith, the best beloved of all things in my sight is justice. So this is crucial to business. It's not only unity at all costs. It's really about uh, being kind and, and being just so you, you can be firm and kind at the same time. Now a brief, just a brief intro about Baha'u'llah. He came about 1844 in Iran uh, at a time where there was a lot of turmoil. But during that time, he spoke about globalization and wrote vast numbers of uh, letters and uh, tablets to address questions that came to him that cover life after death, non-existence of evil, the dual nature of humankind, the purpose of creation and life, family life, community building, economy, environment, evolution, the harmony of science and religion, universal peace, equality of men and women, just like Taz was mentioning. Um, So it's a very rich source of information that's out there.
0: Thank you, May and Taz, for sharing with us. I am super inspired by all of the principles that you shared from each of your faiths, equality, unity. Those are very aspirational and it's exciting to hear that you're able to promote those values in the workplace as well. So I know that both of you are involved with your faith communities in a global way. May, after you graduated from college, you took a year off to volunteer with Baha'i communities around the world. And Taz, you work closely with the Sikh community in India, as well as here in the United States. Can you both share with us what you've learned about working with diverse religious and cultural communities through this work?
2: Traveling the world, um, what I learned at that we're very much
1: alike.
2: I mean, people are people, we have our strong points, we have our weaknesses, um, but it's important not to get caught up in the differences in language and culture in a manner that makes us divisive. If we spend time to get to know each other, we'll see how much that they, they are very much like us, where the, the, we are seeking a purpose in life in in the day-to-day things that we do We want to be part of a community uh, and be appreciated for what we bring to the table. And I saw that consistently in every location that I went. So in the end, my experiences of these trips just affirm what I already believed.
3: From my perspective or my experiences, uh, it's consistent with what uh, Sikhism believes, right? That we all humans are similar and we have similar drives. Uh, and at the end of the day, if you look at it, whatever you put out there, that is what you get back. Okay. So it's like your computers, you can buy whatever computer you have, but you can have an operating system. That's Microsoft. You can have, you know, Linux, you could have iOS, whatnot. The base is the same. It's whatever you put on top and whatever reinforcement that you have gotten. That's what you are portraying out there. Our group at Intel, that we are part of is the cross-faith group it has muslim bhai christian jewish hindu sikh and guess what another faith group is atheism they believe in something so we have them included as well so we are all together in one so that's been our experience and that's what we are fostering at intel
1: Tess, thank you so much for bringing up the cross faith and beliefs employee resource group at intel that was actually our next question so you're one step ahead so in discussing interfaith initiatives at work, a lot of people focus on Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. So we want to ask you what can interfaith um, employee resource groups, such as the Cross Faith and Beliefs Employee Resource Group, do for employees from faiths with, with a much smaller presence in the workplace? And how has Intel's Cross Faith and Beliefs ERG helped you and other Sikhs or Baha'is bring your full selves to work?
3: Just the mere fact that you can have a faith group. That in itself is very empowering. You
2: know, it, it made me think of, of all odd things, Gilligan's Island. Uh, that theme song, you might remember, would go with, uh, it would say, it would list Gilligan and then the movie star, then they would say, and the rest. You remember that? Yep. Um, instead of listing the professor and Marianne. Well, you know, for a long time, I felt like that. The and the rest. Whenever they mentioned Uh, religion it was usually christianity islam and judaism but baha'i was never even thought of we were just kind of the extra stuff the miscellaneous and so that hasn't been the case at intel there were other uh, religious ergs that already existed and when i joined intel i noticed them and that inspired me to see if we can create our own the baha'i one as well And we were able to create it, and and Baha'is are recognized as independent religion with the same rights and support as the other religious groups at Intel. Our HR knows who we are and proudly lists us with all the other religions when she speaks about Intel policy. Also, I'm not shunned or treated as the other when I'm fasting in March or taking holy days off throughout the year. In fact, I feel comfortable to list in my out of office message that I'm taking the day off because of religious purposes. As a Baha'i community, the ones that are in that ERG, we uh, can celebrate these special days that are in our religion together and even have prayer together. And as members of the Alliance, well, when when we interact and learn from each other and are able to express our purpose in life, that drives such, happiness when I go to work. I'm truly joyous that I'm at a place that I feel like I can be myself and I can learn about others.
3: Yeah, actually, the interesting part is the, our cross-faith group, we have a lot of fun.
0: That's great to hear, Taz. It's great to have fun at work. (laughs) Um, And thank you, May, for everything you shared. I I wanted to ask a little bit more about that. So you mentioned, for example, being able to share in your email signature when you're out observing a religious holiday that's important to you. Are there any other stories about how having a faith-friendly workplace um, helps you at work or helps your colleagues at work that either you or Taz can share.
3: So there's a couple of examples that's actually listed on uh, on our intranet. So three of the stories that basically stand out, uh, one of them was the Muslim group one, where their chairperson in uh, Oregon basically said that she used to excuse herself in the previous job and park far away, and she, there she would go to do prayers. For people who do not know, the Muslim folks, they have to pray five times a day, and one is soon after lunch, one is the afternoon. And when she came to Intel, she discovered, hey, Not only do we have a nursing room, we have a prayer room. She felt very included. Another fellow who was a, uh, he was a Catholic person, then his mom died and basically right close to graduation. And he felt so bad, he was losing his faith. And so he reached out to the Christian group and the Christian group helped him. And now he's helping other people. And another person who was a Christian, uh, basically they were having difficulty with their faith. And they basically reached out to the the atheist and the agnostic group, and they basically took them in, and basically they're working with with her, and she's very happy with that.
2: Uh, I was able to put the ERG together because of the the Bible group, the religious Christian group, um, really reached out and was a mentor to help me understand how to go through the process. And Taz was talking about the fun we're having. We've had interfaith devotionals during the pandemic, um, as a solidarity to to support individuals during a time of isolation, and maybe they're losing hope. Uh, And it was just offered anyone could come in, and it was all of us together with different writings from different groups, and the atheist group also had inspirational quotes that they shared. So it is just a fantastic environment to be in.
0: We do want to end with your thoughts on a data point about the future of religious diversity worldwide. So the Pew Research Center estimates that our planet will have 2.3 billion more religiously affiliated people by 2050 compared with just 0.1 billion religiously unaffiliated people. By 2050, the top economies will shift from being majority Christian to include economies dominated by Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, and the unaffiliated. What is one thing our listeners should be doing today if they want to be successful as managers and colleagues in religiously diverse global workplaces like Intel?
3: We are surrounded by friends, colleagues, and stakeholders from very diverse backgrounds. And inclusion is integrated into the core values of everybody. It has to be. So like Sikhism has that. You know, we need to, we see everybody same. The light, light of God is in everybody. So how can you be angry with somebody else? Then you take the li- time to learn the other person's faith and then look at others, how they're same or different, just like I iterated before, right? Now, the other part is, if you're going to be working for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, how about you take the time to learn one religion, either one a week, one a month, one a year or one every two years or one every three years. Now, if you do one per week in 10 weeks, you will know 10 religions. You're pretty much not covering 90%. Now, if you take one a month, they'll take 10 months. If you do one a year, that's in 10 years. So that is the approach I would take is you might learn something from other people and other cultures. And what that might do for you is you might get promoted. You might make more money. You might have a better life and you might be a better human being. And if you look at it, I'm not a Christian, but for since all I can remember, we've had Christmas tree at home and we exchange gifts and I'm still a good Sikh. So why not be joyous, right? Life is here to be enjoyed, not to be criticized. However you look, that's what comes back to you. So why not just be a good human being?
2: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of studies out there that show diverse teams perform better than those that are not diverse? Because your question is about management and managing individuals that are diverse really, in this case, religion, religious beliefs, but diverse generally. And there's a book called The Difference, um, which is excellent, describes some of those philosophies. And so what does a good manager or, or a leader in fact, and those are the individuals that hire smart people and then believe in them. Um, And they're selfless and self-aware, self-aware to to be a catalyst to bring out the goodness in those team members. And they ask questions such as, what question am I not asking, right? So they're open, they're open to conversation, different perspectives that are brought in to solve difficult problems, uh, such as those at Intel, right? We are working on some of the most technologically complex issues in the modern era. And we, we absolutely need these different perspectives, different experiences to come to the table because no one person has all the answers. And the only way we can hear each other is if we respect and love and kind of understand each other and create an environment where people feel safe to provide their input.
1: Man, thank you so much. I love that we ended with this idea that diverse teams perform better as an encouragement to everyone out there who's working to create and strengthen diverse teams. So thank you both so much for your time on the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the Interfaith Business Network podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and follow at Interfaith Biz on Twitter. That's Interfaith B-I-Z. You can also join our network on LinkedIn and Slack. Learn more at interfaithbusinessnetwork.com.
0: Thank you also to Interfaith Youth Corps for funding this podcast and to our friends at the Religious Freedom and Business Foundation and AI in Faith for their partnership and support. Until next time.